Hello everyone, welcome to the November edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, I've got the usual two alongside me, James and Tony, and we are joined this month once again by the voice of Luton Town, who I'm sure he won't mind me saying I've heard too much of already this season, but we're looking forward to hearing another good hour or so of him. Uh, Simon, welcome along, Simon. Thanks very much, Kev. James, Tony, how are we? Hopefully you're coping as well as you can with this lockdown. Yeah, good, good. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? I mean, Still it's here. boring, but we're, yeah, we're boring. unfortunately getting uh, way too used to it, aren't we? Which, uh, which is a shame. But there we go. Let's crack on with uh, with some football chat. That'll pass a bit of the time. Um, the town have played five matches since we last got together. Um, the first of them being that 1-0 win at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I'll come to you first, actually, Simon. Um, good win, actually. A pretty action-packed game, considering our away games aren't always sort of full of action. And it only took 30 seconds for... Um, for the, the sort of goal math action to start with Danny Hilton getting in behind and having a good shot that was headed off the line. And it was kind of a sign of things to come, really, because we never really stopped throughout that game. No, it was a cracking game up at Hillsborough. Um, you know, really show how far we've come in 12 months and perhaps a little bit as to how they're struggling as well. But yeah, I mean, Hilt's chance, another day that goes in and he's celebrating his first championship goal for Luton, but just wasn't to be on that occasion. You know, credit the defender, but... Great work from Hilt so early in the game to create the opportunity and uh, he was a little unlucky that he couldn't put it in. And yeah, it was it was a thoroughly well-deserved three points. Um, Pelly's obviously had a chance in the first half that really, again, should have scored from. Um, but then uh, he's made the mains in the second with a, a decent finish, a very good, uh, well-worked goal and a nice finish from him. So, you know, 1-0, we'll take that away from home any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, Tony that was only 1-0 beggar's belief really I mean if the town had walked off four or five nil winners nobody could have comp- could have complained could they not at all um when you can contrast that with some of the uh, previous away performances it, it, it was much much better it was a great performance and as um has already been stated Danny's uh up he was up and at it right from the first minute and uh it was it was much appreciated and, and a much much better uh, performance. Um, you know the town looked like they they meant business right from the off, and I, you know I I think one nil greatly flattered Wednesday to be honest with you that that should have been three or four at the end of the day I think. Yeah, and James, that kind of started the um, trend of um, opposition sides having men sent off against us with uh, sending off in the second half just before we scored. I, I saw the Sheffield Wednesday manager called it soft. I'd like someone to go hacking in on his sort of thigh, stroke knee high and uh, and seeing how soft he thought that was. But we, unlike in previous times, we took full advantage of that. Well, yeah, and that, and that's the main thing, isn't it? Um, I mean, the, the, the sending off is it's only soft if he's your player, isn't it? For everyone else, it's a red card. So he was rightly gone. And then at that point, yeah, <clears throat> you're thinking then, uh, it's nailed on three points. So um, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the the Hilts one. Is like he played so well, and he's played quite well a, n- a number of times. But while Collar was out, anyway, and he just hasn't got that goal, has he? So he really needed that to go in. I don't know what more else he could do because it was sort of a little bit behind him, and he was off balance, and then somehow the, the guy heads it off the line. So um, yeah, he's he, he sort of in that period. Hilts particularly grew 
grew um, into the the campaign. He, he looked more like his old self, and um, you know, we, I know we focused on him a lot the last podcast. Um, uh, but he, he, he's looking decent. He's just not scored a goal, and um, we probably should have scored that one. Well, it was actually interesting um, that you brought up what we said about him on the last podcast, James, because I think it was you that said Collins doesn't create those kind of chances. He's your more fox in the box kind of striker. And, and actually it was Hilton's hard work that closed the, the defender down and sort of got inside into the box and, you know, almost picture perfect of what you, you described in the last podcast. Yeah, it's what Danny Hilton can offer, and he, he, he's a nuisance, and that's that's exactly what it was then. And yeah, for the for the whole game, to be honest, they they didn't really like coming up against him, and that that's what he can offer you. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's good that he's he he did that, and it's good that he got back up to sort of Danny Hilton levels that we know he can. He just he just needs to go now. Yeah, absolutely. And Simon, another player who um, hasn't scored for a while, who was unlucky that afternoon, was Ryan Tunnicliffe, who came off the bench. Uh, wonderful move deep into injury time, where most would probably have gone to the corner. He didn't. Went forward and just hit the outside of the post with, a, with an excellent shot. Yeah, it was very unfortunate with the effort. I mean, it, it was well worked again from Tunney. He's, he's gone on a run. He, he had an early opportunity to pass it, but kept the ball, I think, just to hold a bit of time up. And then when he realised that the opportunity wasn't there to um, release the ball, he's gone for a, a cracking effort from range. And as you said, come off back off the post. But uh, yeah, unfortunate for him. We, we know he can strike the ball well, but uh, you know, it was, it was a good run and good opportunity. But, you know, we had, we had to say, we'll take one nil, but yeah, as you've said, it, it could have been a lot more and perhaps should have been. Yeah, there's something about games up there. They've got to be low scoring, haven't they? I, I can't remember the last time there was a high scoring one. It's uh, it's written in stone. If we do have to play them next season, I'll be playing the under 2.5 goals. That's um, for sure. Um, Tony, we moved on to another Sky game, second Sky game in um, as many midweeks. And this time we didn't necessarily take advantage of a sending off. It was a tale of two halves, both for the town and Glen Ray. We saw the collector's item of a goal that we wanted and then a collector's item of the goal that we didn't want from him. Yeah, it, it, again, it was, uh, you know, back to the Jekyll and Hyde performance. Um, first half, we looked very, very comfortable. Um, total control. We should have gone in at half-time, um, you know, quite comfortably in front. And then it so often happens when you play against 10 men, you know, they raise their game and they look better. I... I I'm, I'm a bit nonplussed. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the, the tactics were probably wrong in the second half. Uh, and I tend to think that maybe they sat back and thought, do you know what? We've won the game now. We're one nil up. They're down to 10 men. And unfortunately, it didn't work out at the end. You know, we, we were struggling. And to give Forrest their due, in the second half, they played really well. You know, they, you wouldn't have thought they had a man missing. Uh, and, uh, you know... I, Game of two halves. I, I, th I think at the end of the day, it was a fair result, to be honest. Yeah, James, let's just focus on um, on that game in a little bit more detail. I mean, the town were excellent in the first half, but you could almost see the equaliser coming in that second half, couldn't you? Yeah, um, it, it was kind of a game of two halves, but they looked really dangerous in that second half. So really, um, <clears throat> I thought, set, thought at the time it was two points dropped, but... Um, I think really you've got to look at where Luton have come from last season and they would have capitulated at that stage. So to actually eke out a point, um, I think with the benefit of hindsight, I think it's probably a decent one. But 
it it was just how disappointing the the result was. Once the fella got sent off in the in the first half, right at the end, and I, I don't know what's going on at the time really because you don't. <clears throat> You don't get the you don't get the crowd noise or anything. Well, I mean, you guys might while you're watching an iPhone. I'm like, oh dear, was at the ground and didn't know what the hell was going on. And then didn't really see a, yeah, a red card brandish and off he walks. And at that stage, because Luton was so dominant, you thought, well, this is nailed on. But um, I don't really know what happened in, in the second half. And but saying that, they, you know, for all their possession and 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 uh, pushing Luton back, then create that many clear-cut chances that Newton had to fend off. And it was, uh, in the end, they needed Glenn Ray to stick it in uh, in the net for him, didn't they? So, um, yeah, it's just a very, very bizarre game. Um, and I guess it also showed where Newton had come from, that, that you're even discussing whether it's two points dropped or, or one game, because, um, uh, you know, last last season, you'd have, you'd have taken it all day long, bitten somebody's hand off for that result, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Especially with the way that they turned us over at home uh, quite easily last season. Actually, it was one of the rare occasions where the cameras being on the um, executive box side of the ground was perfect for that red card because the TV pictures, you could see straight away that it was red. You just knew that he'd gone straight through Craney, obviously from where you guys are sat, pillar or no pillar in front of you. Um, it's the opposite side of the pitch to you, but no, we got a perfect view of it and just waiting for the red card. I think the guy was the guy knew it was coming, didn't he, Simon? He was sat down injured for about five minutes, trying his hardest to get the referee to forget about it. And the referee in the end just said, sod this, you're taking too much time. And gave him the red card while he was sat down on the floor getting his treatment. So um, fair play to the ref for that, because a lot of a lot of referees sometimes bottle those kind of things, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it did take a long time in coming. I think from memory, he took the opportunity to speak to his assistant referee as well, didn't he, he did, on that yeah. side, just to just to get another view. And, you know, looking back on the replays, you can the, the lad has gone in hard, but he's, he's caught the ball and his foot's then gone over the top of the ball, hasn't it? And into Craney, you know, a few inches lower and he's he's got the ball full on. But, you know, yeah, looking back at it, it is, it is a red card offence, but you could also understand, um, you know, why the Forest were like a little bit iffy with the decision. Um, but no credit to the referee and the officials they've taken their time um, yeah the bloke on the ground took a long time uh, recovering but uh, you know it was the right call in the end and actually we were unlucky not to win that game at the end as well wasn't we lovely ball through put Jordan Clark clean through and goalkeeper just kept him out of the near post indeed yeah it was a good opportunity for Jordan you know he's been the match winner hasn't he earlier in the season he's come up with the, the goods but on that occasion he's done most things right um, but the keeper's made a good save. Um, I think there was a player, was it Hiltz or somebody was waiting in the centre for him to pass it, but he's seen the opportunity to go for goal and he's just been denied on that occasion. But uh, yeah, there, there was a good opportunity for three points, but uh, we had to make do with a point in the end. Yeah, I think it was Collo by that time. I think Hiltz had been replaced. James, I think the reason why we all thought it was two points dropped is because the following game was against Brentford that even the most you know passionate Luton fan would not expect in an awful lot from that and actually the 3-0 beating that we took probably on the basis of how good they looked in the first half and how leggy we looked throughout the game was probably take your dam damage limitation of run that afternoon. Yeah, I mean, but none of us were expecting anything when we sort of previewed it at the last pod, were we? But uh, I, I know they, they were really dominant and they, they, the best side I've seen in the division so far um, this season but I never really felt it was going to get to the stage 
I think you texted me actually. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. But I didn't really feel it was getting to the stage where we were talking about sixes or sevens. Um, but as soon as the first goal did, it was like, well, that's it now then. And the second half was a write-off. It was just pointless really, wasn't it? So, um, I mean, in these unusual times, you should be able to just hold your hands up and go, can we not play this second half or something now? Because what's the point? They'll have 45 minutes back in our legs. Yeah, I think both teams would have probably taken that because they did ease up a little bit, didn't they? And they brought Tony off and one or two others. Tony, what did you make of, of that game against Brentford? I mean, obviously, they're a good side. There's no hiding away from that. But um, was you disappointed with our sort of performance in that game? Um, to be honest with you, Kev, I, I, I wasn't really. It's difficult to say anything different because uh, we weren't expecting anything out of the game if we're being realistic. I mean, I know it's 11 against 11 and, and strange things do happen in football, but if you, if you look at it um, objectively, they are a very good side. And I can't, there's nothing that uh, James has said that I can disagree with. Um, you know, the, the only thing is, it, it, it's been said before is that Brentford are one of, are one of these sides where we aspire to be. Um, you know, they, they, they are a well-run club and, and they're in that situation where they can buy, you know, that slightly better quality of player um, and then sell them on for a lot of money. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, they, they played really well. Um, and I agree with James that the best team in the division that I've seen so far. So it's certainly not a disgrace losing to them. No, it wasn't. But the good thing, Simon, is as we always seem to do under Nathan Jones, we bounced back immediately with probably the best performance since uh, since he returned away at Rotherham, certainly in the second half. But let's concentrate on the first half first, where our goalkeeper certainly um, earned his coin that night. Yeah, Simon's made a couple of cracking saves and, you know, shown why he's a Croatian international. Um, so pleased that he's had a, an appearance for Croatia since then as well. Um, but, uh, you know, he was fantastic and kept it at nil-nil. But, yeah, as you said, it was a classic. It was a classic away performance um, under Nathan um, in that, you know, we held them in the first half. Yes, they had a couple of great chances that Simon saved. But other than that, you know, I thought we were, we were in the game, so to speak. And then second half, we just turned it on and we were by far the better team and thoroughly deserved the three points over the 90 minutes. Yeah, Tony, you wouldn't call this Rotherham game a game of two halves, but it was definitely a game of half an hour and then an hour, wasn't it? Because for the first half hour, we wasn't holding on, so to speak, but they had the better of that first half an hour. But then it kind of changed. And as halftime approached, we had the, the first of George Monker's two golden chances. And then in the second half, once we brought Pelly Rudder Kampanzu on, it was almost like, it was like there was a wind in one direction, wasn't there? And, you know, mm -hmm. everything was just at that one goal. It was like a siege in the second half. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I, I, I sat there at the end of that and I thought Rotherham reminded us, reminded me of us last season. You know, in, in the fact that a lot of times we, we played well and we ended up getting punished uh, through lack of experience, really. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly took some pleasure out of that because uh, I've, I've got some friends in Yorkshire who are Rotherham fans. Um, and Going into the game, I was quite confident, and it, it certainly um, seemed to me that you're right. After that first half an hour, it only looked like there was going to be one winner, and it was us. And uh, you know, this is one of the nice things to 
see about us at the moment is generally if we get our noses in front, we are very hard to break down um, and it takes a good side to beat us. So I, I, I think at the moment, we, you know, it was a typical visit to Yorkshire, wasn't it? You really looked at some great saves, but that, that's all about it at this level, isn't it? You know, where um, you're going to get chances against you, but if you've got a decent goalkeeper, you're in with a shout of uh, keeping a, a clean sheet. And I think overall this season, I, I, I think that game showed just how much we've improved as a team. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing about that sort of evening, Simon, was whether we'd score, wasn't it? Because chances were coming and going at quite a rate. You kind of thinking, oh, please don't let this be one of those nights. But thankfully, Barry's picked out Collo with an inch-perfect free kick and he doesn't generally miss from there, does he? No, I mean, no, it was a cracking finish. It was. It was a great free kick and a cracking finish. And it was good to see Collo get back on the on the score sheet again. I think he needed that. He needed that. Um, so yeah, um, I, I was delighted with with the win. So I think I think it just shows you now that we are starting to do to teams what we've done to us last season. Like you know, they they get one chance and score, and uh, we're doing that now. Although. You know, I, I I still think we're not as creative as, as we should be. Um, you know, we don't seem to be creating as much chances. But, uh, you know, at least we are converting some. So, you know, and we're not losing a great deal of matches as well. So that's pretty good. And also, uh, James, that game kept up my run of um, success when I step in for you on your website. We have won three not even conceded a goal in that. So um, everyone will be wanting you not to appear on Saturday, really. Yeah, well, um, I mean, if you can guarantee that, then you can go. <laughs> uh, I've had my fill of uh, no fans being at the ground. So, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it was a lovely report. I can say that I didn't see the game. No, but you did see the following one against Huddersfield. And um, I believe you actually joined me and Tony in paying, for it, paying a whole tenner for it as well. So uh, you've, you've had the full gamut of experiences this season. And that was a game of two halves where we were in control in the first half and uh, unfortunately couldn't hold on in the second half. Yeah, I did. Uh, I thought I'd have a, have a view of what it's like uh, to be at home and also didn't want to travel up to Huddersfield. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got to hear the, the toxic tones of, of Simon telling me stuff as it happened on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, I thought that in the first half, um, it, it was one of those performances where uh, I thought that they would perhaps keep it, keep it tight, the dominant, but keep it tight as they had done. And then maybe go on in the second half, but... It got a bit harem scaring sometimes uh, in that second half when they were they were pushing on, but luckily they don't really score many or didn't really look like they knew where the goal was too often in that game as well. So, um, yeah, it was probably a fair result in the end. A lovely finish from George, though, um, Simon. Uh, two things I noticed about that goal. First of all, his sort of he, he was on the front foot when he saw that the ball was going to Sonny Bradley. And as soon as he got there, it's kind of like that Wigan goal that he scored when he took his shirt off at home last season, wasn't it? Volleyed it in. And once you knew it was him on the end of it, you knew it was going to end up in the back of the net. He's just got that technique. Yeah, exactly. As he said in his post-match interview, you know, he knew he could trust his contact. 
he spotted that his marker was a, a yard off and he, he just took the opportunity to run in and you know it was it was a difficult goal um you know he's running in on the volley and, and hit it sweet as and uh, you know I'm so pleased for him because he, he doesn't get that many starts in the championship he was rewarded with two and I think he's performed really well over the two games and um, he obviously had chances at Rotherham as well um, perhaps should have scored there but certainly to take the goal he did at Huddersfield you know it was a cracking finish and as you said earlier, definitely a game of two halves, that one. And it was almost a reverse of an away performance that we did really well in the first half and then couldn't quite um, match it in the second. And, but you know, Huddersfield, one chance really of note and they, they've scored from it, you know, one decent chance. And uh, that, was, that was the disappointing aspect. It was a free header. And that and the fact that the fellow who set it up shouldn't have been on the pitch either, I think... Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't many people inside the John Smith Stadium, was there? But I'm guessing most of them that were in there thought it was a pretty obvious sending off for, was it Coromo, Como, something? Coromo, like. yeah. It's, I mean, it's a definite second yellow and it's one of those where either the ref hasn't seen it as clearly as we have or he's because he's been booked, he's not booked him and, and that's wrong. You know, whether it's a, it's a yellow card offence, whether you're on a yellow card or not, but, you know, I, I can't speak for the referee. I don't know why he felt it wasn't, but to, to every... Uh, all intents and purposes from my view of it and from what I've seen back on the replays, yeah, it's a definite second yellow and he should have been off. I think the referee bottled it, Simon, to be honest with Yeah, he didn't strike me as the greatest referee that afternoon. Uh, I must admit, unlike a few that we have had um, prior to that. Uh, Tony, we just need to um, recognise those two away games in particular, Rotherham and um, Huddersfield. In light of what we said in the last podcast uh, about Matty Pearson, he switched to right back for those two games and looked a million dollars there. Is that his position now, after all we said about him at centre-half in the last podcast? It, it seems like it. He's, um, he's had two cracking games there, isn't he? You, you know he's going to get stuck in. I mean, he, he, he's perhaps you can't see him bombing down the wing and getting ahead and getting crosses in, but he's there, he puts his foot in, you know, the, the, the opposing winger know they've been in a in a game and he, he looks like uh, he's reading the game right as well. Um, so I, I think it's really pleasing. I mean, it, it, it's nice to know that, um, you know, we've got answers to the problems, uh, you know, fullback problems we've had and, and they're within the club. So, uh, no, I think well done, Matty Pearson. And I was just going to say, Simon's point about George Moncur's goal was great. I mean, if that had been a Brazilian who'd scored that, they'd be raving about it. It was fantastic technique. Brilliant goal. And just going back to um, Matty Simon, I don't know what what angle you had of his strike at Rotherham, but it didn't look a million miles from uh, from the goal. That one from sort of twenty five yards of the fish just wide. That'd have been a lovely way to uh, cap his first right back appearance in a while. Yeah, it certainly would have been. I mean, uh, it, you know, the view at the time from our angle, it, it looked close, but then you see the one the replay from behind the goal, and you know, another few inches, and that's in, that's hitting the inside of the post and going in. Um, so, yeah, really unfortunate for him, but uh, he certainly can strike the ball well if uh, that's anything to go by. Talking of striking balls well, did you have a bullseye on your chest or something that night? Because the goalkeeper seemed to be trying to get quite an awful lot of <laughs> kicks in your direction. There were a lot. One flew out on the fault. His kicking was awful, wasn't it? It was shocking. Was really terrible. Shocking. Was there <laughs> so he might at least try something? and mix it up and kick it the other way and put it out of play. That's the thing, isn't it? Literally every time, I don't even think our players bothered closing him down because they knew we were getting a throw-in somewhere down right. Somewhere around the, the halfway line. 
was it was mental. Uh, it's great. No, all in all, though, eight points from those five games, James. I think anyone would have taken that, really. Yeah, I think so. And it also gave the opportunity to see where Luton are after 10 games. And, you know, everybody knows that it's not, not worth looking at the league until that sort of point. And if if Luton can knock around those positions that they're in currently, then it'd be a very good season. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it it's they're still reaffirming everything that I thought at the beginning of the season, which is they'll be nowhere near... Um, you know the final few days of the season, trying to stay in the league. I think it would be, I think it would be comfortable mid-table. I mean, Simon, if you kind of look at the league table now, seventeen points from eleven games. That's the kind of mathematical ratio that you're on course for 71, 72 points if you put it into a forty-six game season. I mean, that's beyond anyone's dreams, really, isn't it? But that that just kind of shows just how good a start to the season it's been. Yeah, it's been a cracking start to the season, more than happy with the points on the board. And I think it's just continued the performances and the results that we were getting at the end of last season and showing that it wasn't just because we were in a relegation battle and desperately trying to survive. It shows what we are capable of playing, um, especially under Nathan Jones. Um, you know, it's uh, we've continued that. We've continued a good points per game ratio. You know, we've picked up three points away from home. We've kept clean sheets. OK, we're not scoring perhaps as many as um, we could, but hey, we'll take one nil wins and three points, please. Yeah, plenty of them, Tony. I mean, what have you made, those five games as a whole in particular, but also the sort of 11 games, 17 points return? It, it, it's, overall, we've got to be pleased. Um, it shows a definite improvement over last season. And uh, now that they've got that full season's experience under their belts, uh, again, as Simon said, it shows what we're capable of as a side and, and we're making good, steady progress. So, you know, um, long as we continue to improve, great. You know, I, I, yeah, there's been one or two disappointments along the way, but you're always going to get that. Um, and I, I don't think, apart from the Brentford game, that anybody's really outclassed. So, I mean, yeah, we didn't play well against that lot down the, the motorway, but hopefully it will give us an incentive in the return match. But as I said, overall, got to be pleased. Yeah, I think that's the overriding um, emotion for all of us. Rather than focus on the team then, chaps, let's sort of talk about a couple of individuals in particular. And James, we'll start off with a guy who at the last podcast we'd not seen before because he'd only just arrived, uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall. We've seen him now. And uh, you can tell why Leicester have given him a four-year contract. Yeah, you can. Um, it, it's always going to be tough to slot straight back straight into the side, isn't it? But um, I thought I think as he's as the matches have gone on, he he's the only thing he's sort of missing is someone to get on the end of one of these balls he's putting through. Uh, the, the lad's clearly got some vision and he can mix it as well. He's not that big a lad. So uh, um, he's, he's shown that he can more than cope in the championship. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think Tony's alluded to already. There's not, not really been that many chances and haven't scored that many goals. But it's not like there aren't the possibilities of this this to happen. Um, and he's, he's one of them. Luke Berry is another one. He's been playing fantastically and he's got another eye for a pass. And I think... Um, once the once that clicks and once that happens, um, we could have a really useful 
player on our hands there. And also to go back to the last point um, about the, the 11 games uh, that we've seen so far, it's particularly pleasing that they're in that position with that many points, not having scored that many goals, when you know that the whole season so far, they've not had the fullbacks that they would like to have on the pitch, uh, that would have that, that would be more in, in the mould of you and JJ and Stacey. So that once that happens, and you have players like um, Dewsbury Hall in there, um, it's, it's looking quite positive. Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm glad you mentioned his vision, because that's the thing that stood out to me sort of straight away. I mean, it, cut, it stood out to me almost immediately, but particularly in that Huddersfield game, there were two or three sort of balls that he tried to thread between defenders that were only millimetres away from coming through. Simon, you've seen him in all of the games that he's played. I mean, how would you assess him? I mean, kind of stature, from a stature point of view as well, because obviously we don't get that off of the sort of I follow screens. Is he a big lad? Is he a small lad? What, what kind of guy is he? And also, how do you sort of see him as a player? Early doors, I know, but uh, initially... Yeah, certainly from the, the performances I've seen so far, I've been impressed with him coming in. It's obviously difficult um, when he's been out on loan last season, he's coming into a new squad um, this season. Um, but uh, no, I've been impressed. I think there's there's a lot more to come from him and I think we'll see um, more from him. He's he's not, you know, he's not a particularly huge, well-built, you know, um, rough tackling midfielder or anything like that. But as James said, you know, his passing and his vision and, and everything like that, looking really strong and, you know, I just think as the side settles and as the play settles with him in there, I think we'll certainly see uh, some some cracking assists at times. And I reckon there might be a goal or two in him as well. But uh, certainly great to have a player like that involved in the squad at the moment. Yeah, Tony, he's generally fared kind of deeper in midfield, hasn't he? We've kind of had Pelly Ruddock playing further forward than him. But just seeing the kind of skills that started to come out in that Huddersfield game, and you, and like James says, they're only likely to come out even more as he gets acquainted with his teammates. You can kind of see him playing further forward, and as Simon said just there, wouldn't be surprised if there's a few goals on the end of him. Mm, definitely, I mean, you can you can see the lad's quality. You know, I, I can't really add anything further to what's been said about his vision and his awareness. Except he, he you know, when he's got the ball at his feet, he looks quality in possession as well. You know, his awareness of players around him and where the opposition are, are, are is it, fantastic. And uh, as, we, as, as you've said, with uh, Pelly operating further forward, once that all gels, because, uh, you know, he, he, he's basically been playing in, in, in different combinations of midfielders, you know, with Glenn Ray, with uh, Joe Morrell, um, Pelly, Luke Berry. Um, once that gets settled down and, and, and that, whole thing gels I, I think it's going to be very very good for us and James there are some real options in the centre of that midfield now aren't there I mean Tony mentioned just then you know Glenn Ray Joe Morrell Luke Berry Pelly Rudder Campanzu Ryan Tunnicliffe certainly let nobody down in the games that he's played in recent times as well you know you can kind of pick three central any three from six or seven and, and the side's not weakened yeah, it's really interesting with the options, isn't it? Because um, you, you could even say that Glenn Ray, who we've come to be associated as a defensive midfielder, has played really well at centre-back for a couple of games. And so that could open up um, the opportunities for Joe Morrell. I know people are a bit frustrated that he's not played so much. Uh, you know, he does look quality, but um, him and Dewsbury Hall, we've got to remember as well, not played a lot of, a lot of games. Uh, they haven't got that many minutes under their belt. And when 
you're in the rough and tumble of it, particularly as we are now with two games a week, um, then it, it might take a little bit while to get used to it. Um, they might have to come out, but the fact that you've got those options is fantastic. And um, the, the way Pelly's sort of adapted to play in that further forward role, I think has been quite impressive. There was, um, I, I think it was a Sheffield Wednesday game where he was just, um, he was running beyond Danny Hilton, which is exactly what you need when you've only got one man up top. And he was a complete nuisance to um, Sheffield Wednesday. And for all of his um, uh, Pelleyisms, where he wasn't quite getting his first touch right and stuff like that, he did so much more right. And I actually put, I put him as my man of match of the game because uh, he just got Luton further up the pitch and, and, and opened things up, obviously. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the options are, are, are really good everywhere at the moment. It shows really what the what the recruitment has been like in the summer um, to do that. And, and considering, you know, particularly across the back line with injuries or, or players not quite up to fitness yet because they may be signed late or whatever, um, they, they, there's still more to come. There's still more we haven't seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, the, that's the exciting thing. Uh, Simon, another player I want to concentrate on, I mean, we mentioned him a few times with the chances and his goal against uh, Huddersfield is George Moncur. And the reason why I want to concentrate on him is I think it's fair to say since Graham Jones came as manager and we were forced to ditch the traditional diamond with the fullbacks having left, we've kind of struggled for that attacking left-hand sided sort of player to balance the defence, the attack and, and everything else. It's either been an attacker or someone who's been too defensive. But actually what I've noticed from George in those two games is he's, he's fulfilling both jobs, maybe not still perfectly defensively, but he's much improved there. And he, he kind of links everything between defence midfield into attack a lot better than anyone else has done down that side. And it should hopefully mean that we'll never see James Collins or another striker in the, on our left wing ever again. Yeah, I mean, I've always been impressed with Monks. I think he, he brings a lot to the attacking threat. I think he's very energetic and, you know, he's you've, meant, you've touched on it and he, he appreciates he needs to work on his defensive. But sometimes what you need is a player that was wanting to attack and wanting to push forward. Um, and he's very quick off the mark if he needs to be. Um, you know, sometimes, he, you know, he, he can create something where you don't see anything coming. And, you know, I'm pleased for him. I mean, his goal ratio speaks for itself and he just needs the opportunity to play on a regular basis. I mean, it's it's eight goals from 42 appearances. When you break that down, that's only 12 starts and he scored eight goals in just seven starts in the league. You know, he's, you don't want to name him a super sub because he's better than that, but he's taken the opportunity to play two games away from home and has played really well um, and, you know, has, has got the goal that I'm, I'm grateful that he has because... You know, he's kept plugging away, he's kept working hard, he's sat on the bench, he's he's had odd 10, 15 minute spells here and there um, and, he, and he can pop up with a, a good goal when we need one. Yeah, Tony, he tends to only score good goals, doesn't he, George Moncur? I mean, obviously the three free kicks that he scored in the uh, League One um, winning season, but I mean, even like that goal that we mentioned earlier, the Wigan game last season and, and obviously last week's goal against um, Huddersfield, they're good goals whenever he scores them. He's just he's just that technically sound player that you just know his goals are going to be good goals. He, he's like Pelly, isn't he? He only scores bangers. Um, and I, I think what's uh, great about it is, is, is celebrations as well. I mean, you know, 
I'm so pleased for George Moncur, and I, and I think his comments after the the games as well, when he came out and he said that he's he's realised now what he needs to do and he, he wants to stay, and the news coming out that he had the opportunity to leave the club in the summer and uh, he decided to, he wanted to stay and, and, and fight for his place is great um, you know it seems like uh, Nathan has, 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 has worked with him and, and, and Nathan seems to appreciate him because as, as he said um, he started you know he got the ball rolling with the signing of Moncur uh, he was coming in, but uh, he left before uh, he could actually work with him. And and now he's and, and you can see, and yeah, as Simon said that, that there's something about him. Um, you know that he's he's not going to give the ball away. He's going to hold it up. He he, he he's going to look for you know attacking opportunities. And finally, you're seeing now with Moncur that he, he you know. The potentials there that maybe he can become more than this game changer coming on and, and, and changing things. And I'd like to see how he's come on and his attitude and everything. It's great. I'll get you to um, carry on the conversation, Simon, because there's one, there's something I want to ask you about actually about George Moncare. Um, in line with what he said after the game against um, <clears throat> Huddersfield about working on his defensive work. Uh, there was one bit in particular against um, Rotherham where Rotherham were counter-attacking down that side and he must have sprinted 40 or 50 yards with the guy and then finally closing down on the touchline, putting a brilliant tackle. And you just like, was that George Moncare? Yeah. And that, now obviously you know why it was George Moncare. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, you can recall that, it stands out. I mean, I remember it, talking about it in commentary and yeah, he did superbly well there chased it back, put the tackle in and came away with possession. I think he even created a chance from it as well from memory that um, certainly an attacking move from that. So, yeah, he, he held his hands up. And as you said, he said afterwards, he knows that's a part of his game he needs to work on. Um, and, you know, the pennies dropped and, you know, he'll be grateful that he's had back-to-back starts in the league. And as I said to him, one of the questions was, you know, has the international break come at an annoying time for you because you've got this opportunity to, to keep your place in the team and now there's a two-week gap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Tony, um, carrying on your theme before um, we lost you, I mean, this is a guy who you want to see do well, don't you? Because he's that kind of player that, as a fan, gets you on the edge of your seat. You know something's going to happen when, when he's got the ball. You know, not not necessarily always good, but, you know, somebody, he's one of those players, isn't he? Because he's prepared to risk kind of taking a player on, you know, something's going to happen. He kind of excites us as fans, doesn't he? Yeah, he's one of these players that, you know, the expectation level when he comes on, it it does go up. And and, and you know that he's one of these that can do something special. Um, And and it's, you know, I I watch games with people and and they turn around and say, oh, get Moncur on, Moncur should be coming on. And, um, but it's good, but, you know, it's, you'd look at it and you think, well, it's got to be the right situation for him and everything. But now you think, you know, you want to see him in the side. You want to see him in the side from the start. Um, and I, I, I honestly think that Moncur is, is one of these players that, that's found his club, basically. You know, there, there's some players that they'll go through, they're not great, and then 
they they suddenly come to a club and and it takes off for them and and that's their club and I'm really hoping that's the case. Um, you know, he, he is an exciting player, and um, that that you know, there's just something about the guy. He's so likable and he and he's so much fun. You know, in some ways, the way he is and how he plays, he reminds me of Kirk Stevens. Because uh, Kirk Stevens had that about him, you know, the, the, that, that playing with a smile on his face and whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really hopeful for George Monker. You know, I think the guy's got so much potential. Yeah, I do too. James, how do you how do you kind of see George? I mean, not, 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 not as a player. I mean, it's bloody obvious that he's got bags of talent. But in that particular role, you know, is he the one to fill that role? I mean, we've had Elliot Lee there this season, haven't we? You, Sometimes it looked good, but sometimes not not so good. We've tried Jordan Clark over there, but it's clear that the left-hand balance isn't there because he's a right-footer and everything else. I think Pelly's been tried there, cutting inside. Harry's been over there for minutes on end. We, we're crying out for someone to fill that position, aren't we? Is George the one? Well, based on the last two performances, you'd have to say yes. Um, and, um, you know, his, his goal return is particularly good considering... He's usually chucked on with just a couple of minutes to go and, and, and tried to try to save the game. And it's hard to really judge George Monker in those um, positions. Um, and those when he does come on really late and is told to, you know, try and try and nick something. Um, he, obviously, he's got bags of energy and he'll, he'll keep running and stuff. But he's probably one of these players that needs needs the minutes, needs a running a game to sort of get into it because yeah he could have got on the ball quite a lot in those moments um when he came on as a sub but it, it the end product never seemed to be there and it was a lot of, a lot of running for nothing but given it give him his dues of the two games he's started of late and he, he's been he's been an out ball he's done his just defensive um stuff well I mean, nobody nobody needs him to be Franz Beckenbauer in defence, but he needs to just be a nuisance, really, and try and break things up if if he can, or just get in the way. Um, so it's good that he's 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 learnt that um, because you know I've already mentioned, and so is Tony that there's that there aren't a lot of goals at the moment, and he's one of those players that knows where it is. So um, yeah, it's a it's a good shout at the moment. I think. Also, judging by what Nathan has done since he's been back, is that if you play well and you get and there's a decent result, you're probably going to get that position again. Well, you'd hope he would. I mean, he, he can't. It can't be that he's out of the team at the weekend because of fatigue or anything. They've had, you know, international break off and that. So you'd hope he gets another another start and then see what he can do there. Yeah, I'm hoping he gets a, a start on Saturday. Uh, the other thing, Simon, I think Tony touched on it there, is a character, isn't he? Very much in the Pelly Ruddock mould. Uh, you just know he's going to like that dressing room up. It's, it's amazing. Whenever you watch an interview with George Moncur, you, you're waiting to see something funny that he says. But before he starts the interview, he thanks God, doesn't he? And, and it just always throws me that because he's the... And I've, I've met him many times at club functions and things like that. And he's the least sort of religious person I'd expect to be so religious in in the whole world and but then clearly his character then comes through as a result of that and it's, it's just great yeah I think that's one of those where you don't judge a book by its cover do you and uh, you know he, he is a great character George and uh, you know he's uh, obviously highly religious and 
he's grateful for the opportunities that he's been given and uh, does thank the Lord, as you say, in his interviews. But um, he is a real, a real character, a real live wire. And as you've said, I bet him and Pelly in the dressing room and out on the training pitch at times are, are a right handful for uh, the pranks and the jokes. And, you know, and, and Nathan's praised him for that as well. He, he said exactly the same himself. So, you know, it's, uh, it's great that now he's getting the opportunity, hopefully going forwards to, um, to be playing regularly as well. Yeah, indeed. Uh, certainly a lot of progress and, and a lot to like about what we've seen from George in those uh, last two games. And hopefully this um, crazy nine-game spell that we've got coming up, uh, he'll be able to influence an awful lot. I'm going to stick with you, Simon, because we're going to move on to uh, international players. We've had five of them in this current international window. I should mention that we're recording this prior to when, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's final international games. So we should say well done to Tom Lockyer, uh, Reese Norrington Davies, Joe Morrell, Simon Sluger, and James Collins, who've all already tasted um, another cap for their countries. Lockyer is his 13th cap, uh, second for Norrington Davies, and 11th for Morrell for Wales. Slug made his third appearance for Croatia. And amazingly, the Ireland manager remembered that James Collins has sat behind him for a while and gave him his fifth cap um, against Wales on Sunday. I believe that's the first time that five Luton players have competed for their countries in the same international window. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, one of the stats that I put out on Twitter recently. Um, yeah. The fact they've all played um, during international break. When I look back on the records that I've taken over and, and reviewed on the spreadsheet, I couldn't find another week, shall we say, or international break as it's called now, um, where five Luton players have played um, for their country I found a couple of occasions where four had um, back in 88 and in 2005, um, but I've not found a five-player uh, international appearance in, in the same week. And it was pretty crazy because on Sunday, four of them could potentially have been on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, that would also have been a record if it had happened as well. Three, three in one match is the most that we've seen. That's happened eight times. Yeah, James, that kind of highlights... The improvement that we're making as a club, isn't it? You know, um, five internationals, fantastic effort. I mean, I don't know what Collins got to do to become a regular in that side. Sure as hell, nothing to do with scoring goals because they seem to play not to score that lot. But um, it's just brilliant that, you know, we're back in that kind of um, level where international footballers are playing for Luton Town. It is. It, it, it shows, again, where Luton have come from um, to, ha to have that recognition um, uh, and for players to be called up um, is it, it, great on them and um, it, it's great for their careers and everything. Um, I just, <laughs> while I'm pleased for them and I'm, I'm pleased for what it means for Luton, I, I really don't understand why international football is happening right now I, I, I it, it, it baffles me I mean and this is not to say that it hasn't been hasn't been written or, or said somewhere else uh, uh, but I, I haven't heard or seen anyone questioning why in the current state of the world at the moment why we need international football um, you know why we need players that you know, due to a COVID-enforced fixture pileup, and they're already 
pushed to the physical limits and many of them breaking at breaking point there's injuries all over the shop why that players are sent flying around to other countries at a time when you know people are stuck in their homes and and not allowed to travel um you know not it's not only flying but you know when when you and i can't you know visit our mothers and fathers and grandparents and friends and stuff why footballers are allowed to you know converge in other countries meet up with their fellow countrymen that have all been playing over different parts of the world as well but take take croatia for part uh, for example most of their players play in different countries i don't know how many they've got x amount whatever it is but you know when when yours and my freedoms are restricted and they're they're allowed to mix to play meaningless friendlies i mean we've already seen members of like ireland and croatia test positive for covid and what that means for the returning james collins on sluga i don't know i've not heard anything but i just don't it's just absolutely baffling to me i i mean I, I don't think that international football right now should be happening. It, sh- it should not be a priority, full stop. Uh, you know, I'd even extend that to, to, cup, to domestic cup competitions. I think they should all be scrapped until we can get back to some sort of, some sort of normality because, um, you, know, you know, hopefully this is a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Um, but you just see that the football associations in UEFA are still on the hunt for their pound of flesh. It's like, what can they get out of this? It's all money, money, money. And like, and what's the benefit? What's the benefit to you and I? I mean, we don't we don't get to watch club football for a weekend or two when that's what we really want to do. Uh, and, and that often is like the only singular crumb or solace for most people who've had a had a rough week or they you know been cooped up stuck inside their home all week and they can't even get to watch their club because of these ridiculous friendlies i mean i, I watched a little bit of that england island game who wants to watch that the standard was absolutely shocking it's just like a facsimile of football it's like no one can sit there with a straight face and tell me that england versus republic of ireland was a good standard of football you know, I watched, we watch championship football on the regular and, you know, internationals are supposed to be a higher standard and they're not. I mean, could you even imagine what somebody who follows a Premier League team thinks when they get to watch world-class players week in, week out? And then Ireland send on a League One striker to try and solve the fact they've not managed a single shot in six, the most tedious minutes on earth against England. It's just, it's absolutely baffling to me. Uh, I, I, and I, I feel for James Collins that they haven't played him for that reason because clearly Portsmouth striker Ronan Curtis is a much better goal getter than him, apparently. But I'm quite delighted that they've only played him for 15 minutes so he can have a bit of a rest because, I mean, he's gone, he's gone off, with the, off with the country. For what? <laughs> I've no idea. I mean, is anybody watching this stuff? I, I have not, I'm not interested in the slightest. Can we just have a bit of a rethink? And I know this will come on to the next point we're going to talk about, which is the five subs. There is no common sense in football at the moment. I mean, you could argue there's no common sense in football at the best of times. But right now, why are internationals happening? And let's have five subs. Come on. 
if uh, if anyone wondered whether James has got Scottish blood in him, um, the last five minutes has just confirmed that he hasn't because uh, obviously Scotland have enjoyed their international break and well done to them. And I think we're, as an Englishman, I'm looking forward to June the 18th already. But uh, Tony... Oi, James, I do the rent round here, mate. <laughs> you know what? I, I, the only thing that has uh, lifted my spirits about the international break this week is seeing a Twitter video of... Scotland fans going absolutely barmy after that penalty you saved. And that's really nothing to do with foot, uh, the football. That's to do with the fans. I was like, well, that's exactly what we need. That's what we're missing. That's what football's all about. And at the minute, we've got empty grounds where that can't happen. It's, you know, it's got to the stage where Marshall, whatever his name is, Mitchell, the goalkeeper, makes a save. And for five seconds, he's standing around looking at the officials, wondering whether this bloody save counts or not. Because... You've got all these ridiculous rules, but you know, I mean, I'm I'm really interested in internationals at the best of times, but right now I just seem absolutely ridiculous. Fingers crossed, though, that come the summer there is normality in place, and the last couple of weeks will have been worth something at the very least. Um, Tony, those five internationals, um, obviously, full credit to them for being picked for their country and enjoying um, playing for the country and everything else, but we do hope they come back safe. Uh, that's the one serious point, isn't it? I mean, James referenced it there. Uh, Croatian defender, nice bloke that he must be, played 45 minutes with coronavirus. Two Irish players have tested positive today for coronavirus. Um, you just hope that they come back safe and obviously wish those players that have tested positive yeah, for coronavirus well. Yeah, definitely, Kev. It, it, it's... Um... Well, I've I got to say, I, I agree totally with um, James. Everything he said there, it's absolutely crazy. And, and we do want all our players to come back and, uh, you know, be 100% fair. But it, it only takes one of those players to come back uh, and, and be infected. And, and, you know, just for example, if it happened with the Wales squad, you know, you, we, we'd have three players possibly have exposed being exposed to it those players coming back yes they'd be tested but there's still a chance that they could infect the rest of the team the rest of the squad so basically um you know with international football it, it's commit you know as per normal it, it's uh kicking the domestic game fairly and squarely in the bollocks all the time isn't it so uh you know and and whereas the rest of our squad will have had a fortnight um break um these players are still training they'll be playing and and they're not getting a break as well so um i i think at the moment the, the international uh, football calendar has got to stop well it does now doesn't it until march where hopefully yeah. we'll be back in so, in more normal times um simon you yeah. mentioned a minute ago um the history of luton's internationals now it's probably a Decent time, actually, to break away from the trust and um, the club for a moment and reference the new Hatters Heritage website that went live last week. Uh, I mean, for yourself, it must be an absolute sort of goldmine of um, information and nuggets and reference point for the future. Um, what what do you make of it? And a fantastic resource. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. I've, I've been involved in, in a little way with Hatters Heritage as well. I've not had too much with the, the website work, but certainly the group itself, um, been to the meetings and had some of the discussions and that. But yeah, the website, hattersheritage.co.uk, 
Um, it's not fully up and running as yet. They're building on it. Um, they've put two seasons in with all the match reports, the programmes, pictures um, and details. So 70-71 and 81-82 are fully loaded onto the website just to give you a flavour of what the objective is come um, the final version, so to speak. But the collection of memorabilia, um, 35,000 items, I think is the, the target to get loaded um, on there. They've started trickling in as well. So you've got Malcolm McDonald's boots, you've got uh, FA Cup final shirt, uh, medals. Um, it, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, spend a few minutes having a look and you'll find yourself engulfed in it for, for a long time. And as I say, there's plenty more to come as well. The history of the club is, is now got a secure future. Um, you know, the grant that they've been given has really helped with uh, being able to support the, uh, the work of what is a tremendous set of volunteers um, behind the scenes that have, have done this, scan programs, pictures, uh, and put it all together. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really worth a look. And, and just as I say, just remember, there's an awful lot more to come that will be over forthcoming months, sort of trickling in season at a time and new parts of the collection at a time. Um, so yeah, hattersheritage.co.uk. They're also on Twitter at Hatters Heritage, and there's a Facebook group as well. So um, yeah, really well done to everybody that's been involved and has put a lot of man hours behind the scenes to get us to get them where they are now. And you know, the fact that it's going to progress into an absolutely wonderful source of uh, historical, statistical, and memorabilia hist um, history of the club. It's, yeah, there's a you're lot. Like a, you're like a kid in a sweet shop, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely is yeah um yeah don't look at that website when you're meant to be working from home though else you'll soon find that the working day's passed and yeah. well you might not be working from home much longer um james we know that you uh, came on board as a glory hunter when we got to wembley for the jpt final so there'll be some um, good reminders <laughs> of, of, of the, of the non-glory times for you on that website yeah yeah well good because i can't remember any of it really but <laughs> Yeah, can I play two seasons ago? Because that's out of James's memory already now. Last month, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, fantastic resource. Really looking forward to seeing how that develops. Wish uh, the guys at Hatters Heritage all the best with that. Fantastic, like Simon says, fantastic uh, set of people. Roger Walsh in particular, um, you know, full of Luton's history and. Um, yeah, if you're a Luton fan, that is a resource to keep an eye on as we lead up to Christmas um, and beyond. James, you mentioned it a minute ago, actually. Um, the five sub rule is pro being proposed to be reactivated at Football League meeting this week. I I've been clear on this right from the start when it was scrapped. It was the most nonsensical decision I've ever come across. It's a no brainer to reinstall it, isn't it? Yeah, they should never they should have never taken it away. Like I said, there's absolutely no common sense going around at the moment. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's bonkers. It, it when they brought it in, it was uh, a godsend for those players that had uh, has been out for so long in lockdown, uh, and players could mix it up a bit more. But that was just for a, a nine game end of the season. <laughs> Where is the logic in um, not only? taking it away but taking it away when you realise that you've got to condense this football season you're playing um, Saturday, Tuesday most weeks I've already had a bit of a, a go at the internationals that shouldn't exist it's just I mean it, it's not surprising to anybody 
really it isn't about how thick the people that make the rules are or how you know willfully ignorant they are when everybody is saying this is wrong you've, you've got to change it. it 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 shouldn't have to wait until Klopp and Pep Guardiola have a go I've been in press conferences every week with Nathan Jones and he said it and he's right uh, it the I think the idea was that they think it would benefit the, the bigger clubs they're gonna they've benefited anyway because they've got bigger squads, they can cope with these things. It is just going to safeguard players. And surely that's what it is. It's, it's player safety. There's people picking up injuries all over the shop. You know, when Reese Norrington Davis came to the club, his first few games were amazing. The kid is knackered. And him going away to an international um, break, it's not a break, is it? That's not going to help him. Um, it, it, it's, I just don't get it. I, I don't know what planet... Um, well, actually, everybody knows what planet the, the, the rule makers are on now after they saw Greg Clark's ridiculous performance in the um, select committee the other day that got him the sack quite rightfully. Absolute clown. But if that's what you've got at the top of uh, the Football Association, the trickle-down moronics of that is, you know, is it, pretty devastating. And kind of Pepsi Max has got something um, significant in it tonight, hasn't it? Blimey. Simon, the one thing that James did say there that um, is imperative is, <coughs> excuse me, player safety. And clearly, player safety had kind of been overlooked here, hasn't it? Because, you know, there was all the, oh, we've got to scrap the five subs because it suits the bigger sides. But no one really appreciated the, the smaller sides who haven't got squads to cope with this. And losing players because of injury <clears throat> and it's not helping them anyway so player safety really has to come first here doesn't it oh in, entirely yeah totally agree um you know whatever people think of the, the rule itself i mean it was brought in as we said last season because of uh, the circumstances this season i think as you've said because of the fixtures we've just had a run of seven in a row after this international break we've got a run of nine in a row and those teams that are in the next round of the carling cup actually go right through so they play in the midweek leading up to Christmas, then with the busy Christmas and Boxing Day and um, New Year fixtures and everything going on as well. So they, I, I don't even know, you know, that must be well into double figures that their run of games Saturday midweek will be. Um, so, yeah, player safety is absolute paramount. Um, you know, obviously they voted. I did chuckle, um, James, saying about Pep Guardiola because I read a stat the other day, he's been going on and on about having the option of five subs. And then they somebody did an analysis of how many substitutions each Premier League has made on average. And Pep's only making two per game. Um, and that's one of the lowest in the Premier League. And you're like, hang on a minute, you're not even making the full three that you're entitled to. And you're moaning you want to make five. So I think that's lost a little bit of credibility when um, you see that. But certainly at our level and below, you know, the Premier League have voted not to do it. That's their choice. Um, the Football League haven't, ha best of my knowledge, haven't had that vote to say, yes, we would like to do it. Um, the Premier League have had two votes and it's been voted out. Well, let them crack on. Let the EFL clubs have a vote and say, yes, we want to bring it in and let's see what the clubs actually say because they're the ones that are playing. They're the people that know the game. And as James said, you know, not let one or two people in suits that, we perhaps don't have full faith in at times, make the decisions that affect the football clubs. Yeah, I must admit, I'm a big advocate of this five-sub rule, have been 
uh, of it coming back, uh, wouldn't have got rid of it myself. But when Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp bring it up on a day where they make three substitutes between them, it, you're right. It does um, does ask questions. Tony, this five sub rule is it a thing that you could see being adopted permanently? I ask that question because surely it would benefit homegrown players, stroke youth players, an awful lot more if this five sub rule was always in place, particularly if you then enforced it by saying you have to have one or two of said kind of players through your academy on the, on, on the bench. You know, we have all of these kind of initiatives at the minute, don't we? Like under 21 teams playing in the, is it Papa John's trophy now? Formerly um, Czech trade trophy. Mm. Yeah, they wanted Jeff a piece Taylor. of the action. Oh, I'd like, you're here all week, aren't you? This is why we invite Simon back on this podcast for, for gags like that. Uh, but do you see where I'm coming from, Tony? Because you know you've got you've got yeah. these kind of initiatives. I, I can, would this not be a better way of getting youth youth players promoted through into the first team? And I mentioned this to Nathan when we had him on the podcast right at the start of the season, and he kind of obviously didn't want to sort of go against the the rulemakers, the lawmakers, and things, but kind of hinted it without saying it. It it would get yeah. it would get the pathway between youth football and adult football actually there in in the public eye wouldn't it yes it would and uh you know in, and you know a lot of it's already been said as simon said with so many games coming up and we're and 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 james has said we're playing saturday midweek saturday midweek saturday midweek players are not machines and their the safety is paramount but i can't help but think you know, one of the things, like particularly with the Premier League, and, and I like to dig a little bit more into it. Why, if they voted against it, maybe it's because they, you know, if a player comes on as a sub, he's then entitled to appearance money, and they don't want to pay that extra money. You know, that that, that could be something to do with it. Um, you know, as, as, as James has said, you know, uh, high on his diet coke. Um, you know. There's no sense in football. There never has been, you know. Um, thank God we're not in the days of before substitutes where players used to get really bad injuries and stay on the pitch, you know, possibly making things a lot worse and in some cases uh, ending their careers because of injury. Um, there has to be a bit more common sense. And I think, you know, having an increasing number of subs, um yeah, it, it, it's got to provide a, a pathway for, for youngsters coming in and getting a bit more experience and being, you know, even if they don't get on the pitch, being part of that squad. I mean, the only thing I I wouldn't want to see in football is, is a similar situation that happens in, in basketball where you have rolling substitutions. You know, you can pull players on and off as and when you want to and put them back on and whatever. I, I'd hate to see that in football. But I, I, I think the five subs rule it is is a good thing, uh, especially now, as you can see uh, with with managers now, when they see a player who's on a yellow card and he's right on the edge of getting a red card, that's something that's useful. They can pull a player off and to save them getting sent off or whatever. Uh, and I think it gives the managers far more options. And I, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's got to be better for fans as well. Because you're thinking, you know, we've all seen games where your team is, for some reason, they're not getting together, they're not playing. Well, at least if you think, all right, I can change five of the buggers, it might shake it up and they might start playing a bit. I think all round, the, the, the game has got to adapt 
And as I said, players are not machines. Um, they need rest. I mean, it, it, it's, a, yeah, they're professional sportsmen and, and, and that. But, you know, a 90-minute game twice a week is a big ask for them. And their bodies need time to recover. Um, so anything that, that can come in and, and uh, give them a break and, and freshen things up and, and, and give managers more options, I'm all for. So I, I think eventually it'll probably come in and it'll be a permanent thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just the football matches themselves, it's the time to recover and um, go again. Uh, you've you've all mentioned a crazy schedule that's coming up and, and you're absolutely right. We've got nine games from, in 29 days from this coming Saturday. Let's go through the first six of those before we go, uh, before we do our next podcast. Simon, I'll start with you. The first one is a reminder of happy times. Uh, I, I hope Blackburn are as profligate when they come down here on Saturday as they were the last time they come down here. I hope they play that defender who couldn't work out which goal he was meant to be scoring in. And um, I hope that we get the same result. Yeah, I mean, you certainly hope that uh, the outcome, you know, whatever the scoreline is the same, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, the top scorers in the league, aren't they, at the moment, Blackburn, and they've got Armstrong, who's also the top scorer individually in the championship. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game as it was at the end of the season. And just hope that after the break, the players that are coming back are are fit enough to be involved. And those that have have been training with the club throughout the two weeks, um, you know, are are ready for a a big battle and a a good game at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, I know... um... One of my mates is Blackburn fan. I know they've had lots of injury problems, James. So um, that international break might have come as a good time for them. Probably didn't come as a good time for us. But there's no reason why we can't give them a good game, is there? I mean, I think we were fortunate to beat them last season. I think that's obvious, isn't it? They scored twice for us and gave a penalty away that they didn't need to. Um, but it's the kind of game that probably show us just where we're at. Um. I think the games that have already taken place sort of show you where you're at. Um, the, the the one thing from those games that you, the, uh, that I'm sort of um, cautious of is the fact that um, Ivan Tony was on such a hot streak when he came with Brentford and I, I just thought it was almost nailed on that he'd score and he did. So um, the fact that Armstrong scored more than him and um, he's probably not getting the plaudits that Ivan Tony is. Um, it's a bit of a worry. Um, and they were fairly useful uh, in that last game of the season. It's just that everything went, everything, everything went right for Luton. Um, so, um, it, it, uh, just based on that current form at the moment, it might be one of those games where um, <laughs> Luton won't get anything from. Yeah, Armstrong scored in that um, game down here at the end of last season, Tony. How do you see Saturday as a as a contest? Um, it should be an entertaining one. Um, again, I, th- I think it's too close to call, really. Um, they're a good side, but so are we, I think. Um, it, it just depends. I, I mean, looking at Blackburn, although they've had some good re- re- results, they do seem to uh, blow a, hit, you know, a bit hot and cold. So hopefully we'll, we'll hit them on a cold day. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Simon, in a normal season, you'd say that three of the next four being at home would be a real chance to jump in and get some real points on the board. But actually, um, it's the away form that's 
good at the moment. So we could really do with turning that round, given that Birmingham are the second straight visitors to Kenilworth Road a week on Tuesday. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's the same as the back end of last season, isn't it? The, the away form is where the points have been picked up um, with some good away wins. Um, but yeah, if we can just turn around the home form and, and pick up a few more points on average than we have been, then you know we can really be uh, putting the pressure on the teams in the top half rather than uh, those in the bottom half. But yeah, it's certainly important that you know this last season we took three points from those two games. Obviously, we're beating Blackburn but losing to Birmingham. I think we've got to be looking at matching that and hopefully going going one better at least this season and, and trying to get four. And I, I think it'll be tough for the two games to take six, but that's not to say I don't believe we can do it. Um, but, you know, I think you're certainly wanting um, the four points and keeping undefeated from those two, aren't you? Indeed, yeah. We should um, acknowledge for anyone who did not see the announcement that Birmingham City game does not kick off at uh, 7.45. It's a seven o'clock kickoff. And I believe it's not on the sky red button. So you'll be on iFollow that night. James, what do you make of Birmingham? Is it a game that we can win? Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. Um, they, they haven't been putting up any trees. I, I, you know, other than other than Jukovic last season, I didn't think they were much caught, but he he did the business for them, didn't he? So um, I, th- that's one where I think that, that, that there are more points up for grabs. So how are you seeing it, Tony? Yeah, exactly the same, Kev. Um, I think that's a winnable game. Um, you know, I think in both games last season, Birmingham didn't look that great. We should have beaten them, I think. Um, so I think let, let, let's uh, hope we complete the, the job and, and, and get the points from them this time. Yeah, indeed. Uh, following that, I think it's fair to say the fixtures get significantly tougher, at least on paper. Thankfully, football's played on grass, not paper, although might not be played on grass too much in the next one. Um, Cardiff away, actually, you boys are probably glad that the toll has been scrapped because we've got two trips to Wales, haven't we, coming up? So Cardiff away, the first of them, Simon. Uh, won there in the Cup last season, didn't we? Yep. Agonising defeat in the league. Uh, it's one of those games, isn't it, that you'd like, we're probably going to go there, try and be tight, nick something on the break. Very similar to what we did, actually, at Swansea, a game which we'll come on to in a minute. Yeah, that's right. I mean, everything's a bonus from the Cardiff game, isn't it? We lost there last season, so anything we pick up is an improvement on last season. As you said, it was um, a late winner from uh, Vassell that uh, decided that game when, you know, the draw was really uh, on the cards and would have been deserved, I think, from from memory. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Um, You know, the two trips to Wales, as you said, in in a week, the Cardiff one's the third of uh, what will be nine in a row. I think there'll be changes throughout um, the run of games so it's going to be tough for everybody but as we showed the back end of last season we can pick up points on our travels we can pick up points on our travels this season so um, as Tony said earlier teams blow hot and cold you know if we can be blowing uh, warm to hot and they're blowing cold to warm then you know it's every game is different in the championship there's results strange results all over the place so you know we go there with um, optimistic hope and um, just hope we can take something Temperature will be cold to warm, that's a certainty. It always bloody is in that ground. Um, James, what do you make of that one? I think that's another one where Luton can get points. I mean, I, I, I thought they were... Considering where they finished last season, uh, Cardiff, I thought they, they were pretty terrible in both games against Luton. Um, the only thing is that they didn't seem to get much change out of Sean Morrison. I don't know if he's playing or he's fit or what. Or not, but yeah... 
the ball didn't spend a hell of a lot of time on the deck, uh, and it wasn't very pretty. Um, you know, barring Lee Tomlin's goal at, at Luton, um, there was not a lot between them. Um, so, you know, the fact that Luton have improved since last season, yeah, I think there's some points up for grabs on that one. Might be a pretty game in the following one, Tony. We've obviously played Norwich already this season, but you get the feeling it'll be a much stronger Norwich that we play uh, two weeks on Wednesday to the one that we played in the um, whoever sponsors that cup now. Um, decent record against Norwich in recent times, but this one will be the toughest game that we've played against them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, my 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 heart says yeah. Yeah, come on, Luke, we can do it. And my head says, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> On to the next game. Um, but surprises happen. And, you know, we, we're quite capable of springing a surprise, but I should be hoping for at least a point there, mate. Yeah, Simon, hopefully um, we don't get done by the return of the ex-Luton right-back like we uh, like we did when JJ came back um, last season. Obviously, Max Aarons is still at Norwich, likely to play that game, I would imagine, if he's fit. Unfortunately, Pukki scored a few goals on international duty this week to get his confidence up, hasn't he? I know it's a game that means or meant a lot to you when we played them in 2013. Um, we'll take the same result, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as uh, James said, we've had some good good results over Norwich. It's, it's going to be a tough game. Um, I remember a, a midweek game at Kenilworth Road, uh, a 4-2 victory over Norwich with, I think, all four goals from Luton in the first half. Carlos Edwards lobbed Rob Green from the halfway line. And, you know, there's no reason that uh, it can't be one of those nights again and we can come away with three points and a good win. There's, there's going to be a good win come up in this set of fixtures. Um, we've talked about the lack of goals recently, you know, four in five games, but we've still taken eight points. Um, there is going to be a decent win come. And uh, I don't know, something just tells me, as you said, you can't take anything from the League Cup game earlier in the season. Um, you know, Colo, great hat-trick, take nothing away from that. But it will be a very different Norwich team um, because of the, the number of injuries and players out on international duty they had for that game. But uh, that's one to look forward to. They've got the third best defence as it stands in the league. So, you know, that's going to be difficult to break them down. They're, they're looking to get automatic uh, promotion um, straight back up but uh, yeah there's something about that game I just I'm feeling a little more positive that's good don't yeah. replay this on the next podcast if we've got thrashed <laughs> yeah no that's I'm going to chop this up for social media ahead of the game actually just uh, just so everyone knows um, it's actually surprising that they're as good defensively James because when you saw them in the Premier League last season they couldn't defend for Toffee so obviously it's either the golfing class or they've changed their ways um, are you as confident as Simon? nope no, complete opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can't take much from the, the the game previously in the in the league cup, but uh, you know, considering the amount of changes they had out, they were still pretty useful. And um, you know, I know it's a different it's a different era now, but that that performance previously, and I, I still know it's pre season, but when they came to kind of a throne in the pre season for. Graham Jones's first game. You had to bring it up. Hammering. I was trying to avoid that meeting against them. Well, I mean, it, bring it up. I, I, I did. I bring it up because you talk. You did talk about uh, how many goals they shipped in the Premier League. But at that point, they were on their way to the Premier League and hadn't actually played a game. And you could, you could tell. I thought that they were Premier League quality, and you thought they were very good. And clearly, the golf in class from going from the Championship now to the Premier League is 
you know, unless you're Leeds at the moment, is is pretty high because they 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 were fantastic in the season they won that league and went up to the Premier League, and then they were they were pretty awful. So, um, you know, they've got a lot of those players still there, and and they've got that record of how many how many goals they've scored in the last ten minutes as well. So if, even if it is close, it's it's going to be a nail biter. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not hopeful of anything off that. I'm afraid. No, I must admit, that's the one of these games that I'm um, dubious over. That's a Wednesday night, folks, not a Tuesday. Uh, the next two games, the last two games that we're going to preview on this podcast are both away from home. Tony Swansea away. We got the victory there last season. I think it was the first or second game back after a restart. Second game back, wasn't it? First game was Preston. Yeah. Um, we would take the same result there as well, wouldn't we? Oh, definitely. And I think we'll okay. Of doing it again, um, I'm far more confident uh, regarding that game than I am against the, the Norwich game. Um, you know, Swansea are not a bad side as well, but uh, I, I, I think we've got enough about us to to, to do the same to them. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take a I happily take a one nil there. They're high up in the table, aren't they, Swansea, Simon? Which surprises me because I thought Rian Brewster was a huge reason why they finished so well last season and he's not there this season. So there must be something about them that I'm missing. Well, they've got a good defensive record, haven't they? They're not conceding many. So, you know, like us, if you can score the odd goals and take a win 1-0 or 2-0, then, um, you know, that's where they've got the points on the board. So, you know, the fact in the next six games, in those six games that we're looking at, we play currently the three best defences in the division. So it's not going to be easy um, at all, is it, for those? So, no, another difficult trip to Swansea. Um, you know, we won there last year, so, you know, it's not massive changes between the two squads since, but it's a very different kettle of fish when um, you, we're playing them, what, second, as you said, second game back. Now we're playing them game five of what we know is going to be a nine-game run. Yeah, that that's that's a good point, actually. Um, you know, and if we do get the run around from Norwich, sort of, 60 hours earlier it's going to be a tough one to back that up James how how are you how are you seeing that one second trip to Wales in um in the space of eight days I don't suppose that's so bad these days because all our team come from down that way so um you know they'll probably be used to it won't they yeah yeah they will I mean um considering I'm 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 thinking Luton are going to get beaten by Norwich they've done pretty well on the bounce back from from poor results so far and and you know they got a result down there last season so I'm a little more hopeful about that one. It might be because it's my birthday that day and uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm a bit more optimistic. But I, if, I was looking at that when the fixtures came out, thinking the crowds would be back by then and we might be somewhere towards a, a bit of normality. And I, I could have had a long weekend down in Cardiff, but uh, uh, Sunday, sorry, but uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So um, on that front, it's a bit disappointing. But uh, yeah, I think there's I think there's some points there for Lou. Well, the positive there then, chaps, is it's highly unlikely James is going to work on his birthday. So I dare say I'll be doing the match report that day. In which <laughs> case, history tells us that the town are going to win and not concede. Tony, um, if crowds were back, like James said, it would have taken an awful good effort to find a Coventry place with less atmosphere than the Rico Arena. But they'll have found it at St Andrews. That's the final game that we're going to preview. Um, that's actually the one game in this six that you look at it and you're like, well, we've got to be looking at 
a we, positive result there, probably three points, in, in keeping with the way that we won at Rotherham recently. Yeah. I mean, Coventry have, um, you know, one of the three teams that have come up into the uh, championship and... Uh, Again, another one that seems to be very similar to us last season. They picked up the odd good result here and there, but I, I can see them sort of like continue to struggle. Got to look at taking three points, and I think we're quite capable of doing that. Um, you know, hopefully more than one nil as well. So uh, yeah, I, I expect just to return from there with three points. Yes, I mean, I didn't know an awful lot about Swansea, but I have seen Coventry a few times because it seems like they're playing in Sky's back garden. Every single home game seems to be televised of theirs and it always seems to be on a Friday night as well. Um, whenever I've seen Coventry, whether that's been on telly this season or actually when they've played against us in the League 2 promotion and the League 1 promotion season, they've always looked a good side under Mark Robbins. So you should be commentating on a, on a decent watch of a game, which hopefully, of course, will come out on top in. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, you know, we we quite like playing at the Rico Arena, didn't we? So it's a shame that it's gone to the um I didn't. Or the St. Trillian Trophy oh called these days. <laughs> you, you, you you've just you've just brought back bad memories for James. It was almost a year ago to the sorry, two years ago to the day as well, uh, that he sat there and got absolutely drenched in the press box for the last time we went to uh, the Rico Arena. I mean there's not a day go by he doesn't mention it to me. He, um, he clearly wasn't at Colchester United then the day that Luke I, I, was, I wasn't. This, this that was, was my a lot of Coventry in comparison. Yeah, no, this this was my own Colchester. But the fact that Rico Arena had a roof, a gesture of a roof, uh, you know, done me in quite quite apart from the fact it was absolutely freezing as well as getting rained on. But so I'm, I'm glad I'm not going back there again. But we are going to send Andrew. Well, you're going to send Andrews anyway, and um, that that's got to play into away teams' advantage, hasn't it? I know they got promoted there last season, Coventry, but at this level, I can't, the kind of neutrality to it can't be helpful. No, I mean it, it will be difficult for them, but then they've they've played there long enough now, haven't they? They're probably getting used to it. Um, so it's it's another away game for Luton. It's a stadium where we haven't got a particularly good record, albeit it's normally against Birmingham. Um, but it, that is another one of those things that in the past Nathan's um, broken records at other grounds where we've not done well. So fingers crossed, whether it's Coventry in this run or Birmingham when we play up there, that we can turn something around. But uh, you know they they are down you know the bottom end of the table at the moment. They've only had two wins, Coventry. But as you said, that doesn't make them a bad side overall. We often see sides just struggling to adapt to the division, and then once they have get going on a little roll, so. It's, you know, no games in the championship can you look at and say that's a win or even on some occasions that that's a defeat. Um, you know, it's we've got to take, cliche I know, but we've got to take each game as we come. We don't know what's going to be happening in the, first, the five games before it, what kind of team we're going to have, what kind of team commentary are going to have by then. So, um, you know, you just hope that we've, we're keeping the momentum going throughout these six games, no matter what the individual results are. At the end of those six games, we're in a similar position um, to where we are now. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. James, as well as being relieved from not going to the Rico Arena, how do you see that game? Oh, that's that's the most winnable out of the lot, I think. Um, you know, I, but you know, based purely on because uh, how how tricky Luton found it last season when they come up, I think all the 
all the um well certainly Rotherham and Coventry are finding it a similar vein I think Wickham are uh, done for already uh, um, so I think given that they've got a, a, a year's worth more experience Luton then that's one I'd be expecting a, you know a, a three points at yeah I kind of agree with that I, the, the analogy that you made there the point that you made about teams that come up I mean as you look at them the three that come up they're all struggling aren't they um Apart from that sort of flyer that Charlton got last season, they all struggled last season as well, didn't they? And, and obviously we know that Charlton got relegated. So there is that gulf and we really need to um, stamp our authority on that and kind of show that. And Tony, they've already beaten Rotherham and Wickham as well. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where you've got to look at getting points. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of deserve to win those games. There was actually a gulf of class. Apart from the first half hour against Rotherham, there was actually a gulf in class in those two games. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we will we will get that. Tony, there's six games there. I mean, what are you taking as an acceptable sort of figure for points? I knew you'd come to me first on that, Kim. Um, nine, ten. I'm going to bypass Simon on that because it's unfair to ask him for that because he commentates on the games and in- interviews everyone afterwards. Um, James? I reckon they'll get six points. Not sure what I make of that. <laughs> Not sure what I make of that. But uh, tonight, James, aren't we? Got to be honest, I'd be more than happy if we take 1.5 points from all these games. Another nine points onto the kitty. Is that 26 points from 17 games? You're not going to be. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to be too low down the table from there, are you? So. Um, We'll go with that. Do you want to offer anything? It's a a tough run, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is. I think the fixtures do get real tough now, anyway, don't they? Without the fact that you know they're probably being played in freezing cold temperatures where muscles are likely to you know come under even more pressure and and all of that. You just look at, I mean, the three games that we'll preview in the next podcast. You know, they include Bournemouth, they include you know Middlesbrough, teams that are probably expected to be right there or thereabouts. It, It. kind of feeling like the, the tough stuff really starts now. Yeah, but at the same token, if you go back to a point made earlier that you've got players coming, James Bree came back and he was pretty impressive in his little cameo that he played just before the break. And, you know, we, we've not seen him all season and, um, you know, Tewsbury Hall's only going to grow into it a bit more. Hopefully Morel gets a bit more action. Um, uh, you know, We might but, see Pops. Nah. <laughs> made made a glass, and he turned down pots. Now I doubt, I doubt it, but uh, um, yeah, there's there's things to be positive about coming back. I just think uh, it's, it's quite it's a particularly difficult run. That said, if they can get more than the six points, I'm obviously handing to them. Then uh, yeah, they'll be well set. Yeah, well, I hope we get more than six points, considering if I'm writing a match report, that should give us three of them. Um, Simon, anything on that? I'm just slightly confused because I thought James had said there was at least two or three wins as he was going through those uh, fixtures. So how he's only ended up with six points? Well, I looked back over it and I think the, the one I'm going for is Coventry is a nailed on win. And then I reckon one point at Swansea. I said they could, they could get a win, yeah, but then I've revised it. So fair play. Yeah, and well and Birmingham, I thought you said we'd win. Did I? Right, well, I think I'm saying points at all of them. 
I think points, points at Birmingham, wise, Cardiff, and Swansea, and a win at Coventry. That's where I'm getting my six from. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would certainly hope we're nearer uh, Tony's points target than we are with James, but you know it, it is a tough, tough uh, run of fixtures. So, but we, as we've shown, we're capable of beating teams that um, you know other so-called bigger teams and are likely to be above us in the league at the end. And equally, we've lost to teams that uh, you would hope that we could we could have done better again. So. You know, it, it is a very difficult league to try and predict anything on this season. And yes, I am sitting on the fence by uh, not giving a definitive answer. But I think somewhere between six and ten is uh, is hopefully what we'll be achieving. Yeah, I mean, if we're in the higher end of that bracket, I don't think anyone can complain from those games. That's um, absolutely for sure. OK, we'll finish off uh, this episode of the podcast with a quick update on things that are going on with the trust. Um we're holding our AGM on the 26th of November, uh, two weeks on Thursday, sorry, a week on Thursday. And um, you should have had all of the details via email. If you've not had those details, drop us an email and we'll get them out to you. Uh, a couple of changes on the board that will be represented on that night and um, you'll you'll find out all about that. Those of you that took part in the survey uh between last season and this season. We're going to start to release some of the results uh, over the next few weeks. We're just calculating all the final details. Thank everyone who got involved in that. Uh, there was a prize draw. We'll announce the winners of that in due course as well. And uh, the there is an app now for trust members. Uh, if you're a member and you've not got the app, get in contact with us and we'll give you the link of how to download it. That'll give you all of the news. You'll be able to listen to this podcast on that, various other podcasts uh, that are Luton related and lots more with some benefits on top besides. That's all that's going on with the Trust. As I say, we'll update you more at the AGM. Um, Simon, thanks for joining us this month. Have a great time commentating on those six games. Um, I will remind you of every single word you said in the lead up to the Norwich game and before and after. And hopefully you can come back at me after the Norwich game with an I told you so. And I'll be very happy to hear that. Uh, thanks for having me on, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to be involved and uh, keep up the great work with your, your future podcast as well. I'm sure we'll get you back on um, between now and the end of the season as well. Simon James, enjoy the games that you go to as much as you can. Stay safe. Take care. Same with you, Tony. Stay safe. Take care. Really? And we will be back uh, as a gang next month. 